dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning hey george hey lions how's it going uh dude so good so good i've been yeah. playing so many games that we're gonna talk about almost none of them are video games though Ooh, yeah interesting <laughs> yeah hmm <laughs> I didn't know we could. I didn't know we could put not video games in this. I, it literally occurred to me while driving home from a game day today. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that that might change completely what I was going to talk about. But yeah, let's 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 do this. Uh, um, let's uh, let's do our shelling up the top, and then we can uh, get into it. Uh, if you want to support no nostalgia goggles and nostalgia goggles, which man, my kids like they're they're at that age where they're really working a lot on spelling in school. And I just have to keep reminding them that the English language is terrible and none of the yep. rules hold up. They're not, they're more like suggestions or more like guidelines. Yeah. Lo- loose categories of things <laughs> that work sometimes. So I love the pun of no nostalgia goggles and yep. nostalgia goggles, but I can hear the UH in no nostalgia goggles, no nostalgia <laughs> goggles. Oh agonizing yep. uh but if you're in it for the wordplay uh you can uh what can you do you can leave us a rating and review on the apple podcasts you can we reach like out those. on the, the oh man we love them so much you reach out uh on the feedback form and request games we play games that's that's the thing we do on the other weeks uh you can tell us our opinions were right or wrong i really have i get like a weird enjoyment out of people putting in a thoughtful like here's yeah. why you're dumb and wrong <laughs> about your feelings <laughs> so that that's always fun um if you want to go kind of crazy above and beyond you can actually uh support us on patreon and if you support us on the patreon you get the after show um i think this is a rare after show where we know going into it we are probably going to talk about the kerfuffle that just happened with D and wizards of the coast and hasbro yep um yep so if you're into that that is probably what this after show will be about but you get all the after shows all the, the backlog of them um, only if you support us on Patreon and if you support us at a high enough level, you get your sh- name shouted out on the show. So we need to thank first our eight bit classics, Kevin, John, Jason, Yarno, and Jacob, and our 16 bit hero, Michael. We could do this without you, but I'd really rather not. And if you give us a thousand dollars, uh, I will write you a eight hour D and D adventure and lines and I will play it with you. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, oh, dude, that what? would be terrible. God, I oh, hope, yeah, yeah. I hope no one takes all... advantage of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, I mean, uh, oh, no, I'm giving it away. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, so we have a mailbag question. Uh, this one, I thought this was uh, an interesting question because I'm, I don't know. We'll see what you think of my response. Uh, so this came in through the Discord. Uh, links for that also all in the show notes and on the website. Um if either of you could start another podcast about a topic you're passionate about, what would it be about? And why do you think you would be good at talking about this topic? Which and your, your thing was. So the thing that broke me on this question is the, the addendum. Why do you think Mm. you would be good at talking about this topic? Because I can think of lots of things I enjoy talking about tremendously at great length, but am I qualified to talk about any of those things? <laughs> no. Right. Like well, I, would, I mean, I would love to talk about art or music 
I would love to go like super deep on uh, certain kinds of like game design mechanics, um, cooking, philosophy, science, right? Like there are tons and tons and tons of things like the nature of fun and humor, like tons of things I would love to just wax philosophical about into a microphone endlessly. But do I feel like equipped to talk about any of those things like as an authority? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm an authority to talk about video games. I do, but <laughs> well, I mean, you you had a podcast that you were an authority on. You had a tech podcast. I so this is a perfect example of like why I thought the phrasing of this question was so I think unintentionally, but but very like twisting the knife because yeah. the what we did on flipping tables was two white guys talking about tech news, which I I mean it was super fun and like we had a nice little audience and and I think people who listened to it enjoyed like the banter. Right. Mm. But like, I'm not an authority on, like, I don't have insider connections into the industry. Right. Like people who really make their whole thing, like tech news journalism, like they, there's a whole like behind the scenes part of it that has to go along with that. And then you just get like the, the published article or the podcast or the YouTube video or whatever. Um, and, and we never had any of that. Right. It was all just, our opinions, right? The the, right. the worst kind of stereotype of a podcast, like two, <laughs> two white guys who think they have funny things to say. And some people thought we were funny and I appreciate those people very much. Some of those people have followed me over here to Nostalgia Goggles and I appreciate those people very much. But was I an authority? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting because, um, yeah, I think you might be dealing with a little bit of imposter syndrome in the sense that like, I there are a lot of authorities that I'm like, I mean, are, are you though? Are you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, where somebody's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I can speak to that. It's like, should you, though? Uh, so I would probably do two. Um, one of them, and, and, and I, I think I can defend both of these. One of them would be uh, science communication, um, just because not, like, specifically, like, oh, I'm going to, because I'm a physicist, I'm going to do a physics podcast. No, just, like, basic science concepts and breaking them down in an interesting way and then communicating them because and, more, and, and more like why do i feel like bill nye style that kind of yeah, general nye, science uh, communication kyrgyz thought yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah that type of stuff where it's like hey here's a concept and the reason why i think that i could claim to be an authority on that is because i've been doing science related stuff for uh the entirety of my career but also in most of my career, I've been in a supervisory position, which means that I'm training other people, which means that almost all of that time I've spent communicating these ideas and, and teaching them, you know? So I think that saying I've done that for, what would it be now, 20 plus years? 20, that can't be right. No, almost 15 no, just years. Own it. Own multiple decades. It, <laughs> it feels good. 15 years, you know? Not not bad. The other one, um, absolutely a D&D podcast, 100%, you know? Like a like a live play or like about yeah, I'd want to do a live play. I'd want to do a live play. Like I don't get so far into the rules of D anD D that I think I would be an authority in that sense. Because like I've seen people who get really into the rules. I'm like, dude, it's collaborative storytelling, man. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. <laughs> it's all it's it's all whose line is it anyway? <laughs> Where the rules are made up and the points don't matter. You know. Um. So uh. So but I think I would enjoy that and and I um. The reason why I haven't pushed for something like that is actually something that you said, which was that um, I really enjoy playing D anD D. And then when you when you do a podcast, like a, a a live play podcast, it's more about producing a thing. Like you're producing entertainment. You having fun is secondary, right? You know. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to give up four hours of my life once once a month or once a week to to 
make a business out of a thing that I currently just find pure joy in, you know? Well, and that that's the on-camera, on-mic part. Then there's yes. cutting it, editing it, producing it, right? So, like, if yeah, you... don't do any of that. No, <laughs> I have people for that. <laughs> but, but, I mean, if, if you... If you spend, say, you know, one-to-one, like, prep time to Mm -hmm. play time, so you spend about four hours over a week that you're going to play D&D prepping the adventure, Mm -hmm. right? And then four hours playing the adventure. Um, I don't know, triple that to to turn that into a a stage play, essentially, or a radio drama. Um, And I I agree with you. Like, that's... And that's assuming everything goes well, right? right. That the adventure is interesting, that the people at the table are all good, because now you have like an ensemble cast. Like the, yes. the the fault points are just like skyrocketing. Oh, absolutely. But the one one place where I, I think I could the reason why I think I could claim uh, some degree of expertise in that is I, I did the calculus on this one recently, and uh, I have been playing D anD D for twenty five years, which is. <laughs> way more than half my life you know so um and and during that entire time about 90 percent of it i've been the dm you know so i'm like i i think i know enough about telling telling stories through D D that i could at least write an interesting one and you, know, you always end up with the fun things where, and I, I'm sure I've shared this with you, but for our audience, where like I wrote like this amazing, you know, like they were going back to this character's old monastery, but he was raised by dwarves. So they were all these big, meaty, pipe hitting dwarves, you know. And then, uh, he, like I show up, I'm like, the door opens and you see the stocky dwarf. And he goes like, ah, yes, my old temple where everyone has a Canadian accent. And just the character just dead eyed stared at me. And I was like, ah. Oh hey, uh, it's it's great that you came back uh, to the temple, eh? Uh, you, uh, co- co- oh, I'm so sorry uh, to to have inconvenienced you, eh? And I'm like, and, and literally, I'm going through a lot of these encounters. And I was like, this was so much more intimidating, <laughs> like the other way. But you got a yes and, and so we're doing this. <laughs> and and I think the because I I haven't watched a lot of like D and D let's plays because it's a big. It's a big time commitment, right? Like, yeah. if they do a four-hour session, it's like every session is like watching friggin' extended edition of Lord of the Rings, right? But, <laughs> but, but it's a whole TV series worth of episodes. So you know, there might mm-hmm. be 10, 20, 30 episodes in a season, each four hours long. Like that's bananas. Um, but the ones that I've seen, and certainly the ones that are most popular, they are. It's improv comedy right or improv drama right sometimes they're right. completely serious it's not faffy about right it's high fantasy um but they're they're improv from professional actors and voice actors and sometimes comedians with like a varnish of D. and i don't mean that they're not playing the game they are playing the game it's just right. all of the professionalism is what makes it like worth watching like tolerable right. to watch right because you know our inside jokes are hilarious to us yeah exactly but those would be the two podcasts other podcasts i would do but i like this one i like this one too if we do ever uh need a different like if we're just like all right we played every video game uh and we need to shift gears all of them yeah all of them uh i could actually entertain a a like science educator uh podcast because you definitely know considerably more science than i do uh which means 
I could just genuinely let you like audience foil at me right? <laughs> like, because it's not like you're like, Oh, I'm going to act like a dummy. So George can science about science. Like, I don't, dude, I don't know. Teach me science. Like I know, <laughs> I know some science. I could know more science. Well, and I think that, that what, what, what we, we could have fun doing with that is, is, uh, you know, is that we both tend to think relatively quickly on our feet. And it would be fun to, if, if I was like, okay, so basically this is kind of how this works. And you'd say, Oh, well, so it's like this insane thing. Well, it's like that insane thing, but here's the way it gets even weirder, you know, where it's just like when, <laughs> when you start moving towards the speed of light, speed of light can't bend. So the big, big bully of speed of light gets into a shoving contest with time and wins. And that, and, and that's weird, you know, but hey, physics. It's, a, it's a- <laughs> God, what? It, oh, it's the Star Trek episode of Futurama, like putting too much air in a balloon. <laughs> like, that's, yes, that's that is because I love a metaphor, right? But yes. it's that's such a distilled example of not just what was hackneyed about that writing, but also yes. like when you have to boil something incredibly sophisticated and complicated down to like terms that a twelve-year-old watching Star Trek is going to be able to understand. <laughs> Like, like putting yep. too much air in a balloon. It's like, oh god, it's such <laughs> such great writing. He seems to be he seems to be absorbing all of the energy. Like like putting air into a balloon and something, something bad, bad happens. happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And that like that's the the cherry on the yeah. like writing lo- writing dialogue about characters who are talking about television show writing, right? Because then <laughs> yeah. that smashes them back into the universe where Fry is not clever and <laughs> and and doesn't understand what's going on and can't come up with a good metaphor. Yep, yep, yep. Uh so what what video games did you play and why should I care? Uh so you got I'm going to need you to just drop the video off of there because uh the only games I've been playing lately are the ones we are playing for nostalgia goggles uh mm-hmm. and uh, Final Fantasy 14, which is still consuming my life and just apparently will now for the foreseeable future. Um, the cool. one other game that I actually just video game that I actually just brought uh, into my heart. Um, now, okay, children, it's important that I give you this disclaimer up front. Emulators are wrong and, and, and ROMs are bad. Yes. But you can play Tetris on your smartphone. <laughs> and, and all of the official Tetris apps somehow are terrible. And yes. so playing an emulated version of a Game Boy Tetris on a smartphone, kind of amazing. It's actually like <laughs> really great. Um, don't do it, right? Yeah. This, this no, is this bad. is me telling you about a wonderful thing that you could easily have in your life for a trivial amount of money or even free, and you absolutely should not do it because it's wrong. It's just wrong. Right, exactly. It, it is something that, that clearly solves all of your problems and hurts nearly no one, but you shouldn't do it. Yeah, Definitely. Don't, don't do it. Now, let me tell you about all the fun I've been having doing it. So <laughs> uh, so as uh, anyone who has listened to probably more than one episode knows, uh, I famously hate smartphone video games. I just mm-hmm. mobile games are terrible. I don't like them. Right. I, and, and I there's lots of complicated things about why I think they're terrible. It's it's not just the touchscreen controls. It's also like the kinds of experiences they put on phones. It's also the the ad based revenue model that I really hate. It's also uh the interaction doesn't seem right. There's something about like a physical Game Boy with physical buttons that mm. the, I just I get like a different 
energy out of the way I'm interacting with the world than when I'm just like mashing against glass. Tetris, though, is like so low <laughs> interaction that it actually works pretty fine. And I'm not great at Tetris, so I'm not having to make like super, super fast mm. uh, like turns and things where feeling the physical buttons would actually be really critical if I was playing at like a super high level of skill. Um, if you're just killing time and you don't want to read terrible social media or read depressing world news, you can't do anything about there's a lot of worse ways you could spend your time than on Tetris. Cause like, it's, it's kind of a thinky game. It's kind of like a hand-eye coordination game. Like it's got jamming little music. It's just nice. Like it's just snackable in a way to me that like when people talk about like, Oh yeah, I play this match three game on my smartphone or I play this war simulator, or this town builder, all these things that just seem like utter, utter waste of time. Like the way those people are, I think trying to tell me how they feel about those games. I'm like, but Tetris. Yeah. That, <laughs> but yeah, good, but you could just, <laughs> you could just play Tetris. Right. And I think most ridiculously, the reason I decided to pursue this is they're making a movie about Tetris coming to the West uh, because, and I mean, it's going to be dramatized and stuff, but the, the true story of it is actually pretty bonkers where, so it, Tetris was invented by a Russian. Uh, yeah. I was going to say it was in the USSR, right? Right. <laughs> Not yeah. just Russian in the yeah. USSR. Right. And right. so uh, when they were trying to essentially get the code out of Russia, I guess out of the USSR. I don't know if did the member states still go by their country names at that time. I don't know when they were trying to get the, so. the code out of the USSR. They were like, uh, this is kind of like an international crime because there's yeah. like trade embargoes and like, we can't do this. And, and so they literally had to like sneak people into the country to like steal it on floppy disks. Like it's, it's a pretty, huh. pre- yeah, it's a pretty wild story. The sad, uh, like aftermath is, because of that, they couldn't like say that that's what they did. And so the guy who invented the game didn't get credit or money for Tetris for years and years and years after. And then finally they circled back around or he finally won a court case or something happened where he was like, give me my goddamn money. And he finally kind of got made whole after literally like 20 years. I mean, like it being maybe the most popular game ever made. I I think it's like one of the top selling games ever made. And he, had to wait like 20 years to get recognition for it. Hey, they're making a movie out of that. And I just, I was watching the the trailer for it and I was like, I bet this would play really <laughs> well on a smartphone. And then I started looking for all the official, you know, the, there is an official version and plus there's like infinity clones and they just all have like a gimmick and I don't care. Like I just want <laughs> to play Tetris. So right. I'm doing something very bad and wrong that you should not do that I absolutely recommend because it's wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And, and, uh, uh, yeah. So what, what, uh, what non video games are you playing? Well, so, uh, you and I talk about D and D a lot. Um, yep. but I've been curious about like other TTRPGs, um, mm-hmm. not for only the Hasbro wizards of the coast controversy reasons, but <laughs> that's certainly like, threw some fuel onto that fire. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, D&D has its set of rules and it's good at certain things. Um, and then other games have different rules, which makes them good at different things, right? They have like mm-hmm. D&D was originally a dungeon crawler and as hard as they've tried to like 
shove more role playing and world building and stuff into it, like you could still feel that foundation, right? It's just like right. you dig deep enough in Windows 11 and you can still find a settings menu that looks <laughs> like Windows 3.1. It's it's kind of like that. Like everything is sort of centered around like combat and the adventuring yes. day. Yeah, I'd say that like if you if you look at I don't know, 70, maybe 60% of the customization options, uh, most of them revolve around combat, you know? And then the other 40%, maybe 30% are like, oh, this makes you a little bit better at talking to people or makes you a bit, most of it's like, this makes you deal more damage or makes you deal more damage in this particular situation or makes you immune to the, and it's like, all of this is mostly combat centric, you know? And, And if you get into an adventure thinking like, oh, sometimes I'm going to talk my way out of problems and your DM is just like, no, we're here for stabbing. Then it's like, yeah. oh, half of my character is, it's, this isn't just suboptimal. It's like, it's like I showed up naked. Like I am completely <laughs> unprepared, right? And yeah, the reverse why, is also true. It's like, oh, it's all intrigue and skill checks. And it's like, oh, all I'm good at doing is stabbing dragons. Right. Like that's what I built this character around is stab. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have great music, stabbing dragons. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah no i i agree and actually i think that um uh yes and it is interesting because what i what i will do a lot of the times i'm sure this is probably where you're going with it uh, or at least a way to go with it which is um i'll hear about like some interesting or fun mechanics from a different ttrpg and i'll just rip them off wholesale and dump them into in, into my my thing you know because i'm like oh this this could be a fun thing to try and then it either it either works or it doesn't you know but um I always struggle with getting into new TTRPGs just from like a a time standpoint because kind of what we said before where it's like, okay, well, it takes four hours to prep an adventure, to prep a four-hour adventure-ish, right? But if I have to learn an entirely different rule set and get everyone else to learn that rule set and then write an adventure based off of that rule set, like triple the time, you know? So I'm like, okay, so I can either spend four hours to prepare for this fun thing I'm going to do this weekend or spend 20. You know, so it's like, well, D and D is a known quantity. <laughs> well, and that's uh, like anyone who plays a lot of TTRPGs, like they openly rail against that mindset. And I get it, right? It's yeah. it's surely very frustrating when you're like, oh, all of the air gets sucked out of the room by D and D. So yep. all of the investment, all of the 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 storefronts, all of the marketing, all of the time the humans put into like well, what game am i gonna play and it's like well just we'll just order pizza because everybody right. eats cheese pizza like is yep. this the ideal meal for everybody in all situations no but everyone will eat it right and so yep. that's i i get why that's frustrating because we actually ran into this one of the games that i was super curious about uh actually game mastering i guess uh was blades in the dark and yeah i've heard like, good things about that I've heard great things about it. And I even got the book. It's right over here on the bookshelf next to my D&D mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, oh, this looks kind of complicated. <laughs> and it's not unlearnable. It's just right. the problem is I'm willing to put in the time. Can I find two to four other people who are also exactly. all willing to put in the time? So anyway, this this leads me all back to uh, a game that was recommended to me called Fate. And Fate is somewhat well-known, I guess. And yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah it, it, it comes up a lot because of how approachable it is, right? Mm. So if you know how to play Fate and you know how to play D&D and someone's like, oh, I'm curious about D&D, you could reasonably say, 
let's play fate because I can, I can do that for you right now. Like I can, we can just sit down and we can just do it right now. I need zero prep time. It will take you four minutes to build your character. Like it's super easy. And then there's the like ultra slim fast version, which is called Faye. I think it's fate accelerated edition. I think it is. Mm. Um, and that's an even simpler version of the rules to the point where the, the person who recommended it to me, um, is actually in our, our, our discord community and he is probably going to either be clapping or shouting at this whole episode. <laughs> um, but I, I was literally like pinging him with questions like, but what about in this situation? He was like, no, no, you're thinking like D and D like this fate, fate doesn't <laughs> care. Fate doesn't care about any of that. And I was like, nice. right. But how do you rule on this? And he was like, you j- just decide. And I was like, but, but there aren't like pages and pages of complicated grappling mechanics. And he's like, no. <laughs> so, so what I thought was really uh, interesting about it is not just how incredibly approachable it is, but there were two things that, cause I've, I've only gotten to do a couple of sessions of it, um, but there were two things that jumped out at me as like, Oh, this is weird coming off of D and D, but also like kind of, I love it a little bit, which is scenes are called scenes. Like, they're literally structured like movie scenes or scenes in a book or in a TV show. Mm-hmm. And so you, the player don't necessarily get to decide how you transition from scene to scene. So like, yeah, you can, but it's also not unreasonable for the game master to know like, okay, the end objective is you're trying to like get here and, and capture the Holy grail. Right? So mm-hmm. right now you're in the jungle and the next scene is going to be at the entrance to the temple. So you deal, you know, snakes were, you know, falling out of the, the trees and you had to deal with the snakes. And once the snakes are dealt with, the game master can just be like, okay, now that the snakes are dealt with, you continue journeying on until you find yourself at the mouth of the temple. And it's like, oh, that j- but what if I decide to to piss off and go boating? And it's like, no, you're at the mouth of the <laughs> temple now. Right. So there's nice. like a kind of a shared understanding that like you don't have the freedom that you have in a game like D&D. And what I like about that is it makes it almost impossible to get to the stereotype of the I shoot him like mm. the, the troll D&D player who's like mm-hmm. just like, oh, well, I, I turn and punch one of the other player characters in the face. And it's like, no, no, we're all here to rescue the Holy Grail. You can only yep. do things that are in service of you rescuing the Holy Grail. So interesting. Like if you and I mean, it's I'm making it sound a little bit more rigid than it is, but it's it's having guardrails at all compared to D and D, which is just like, do whatever the hell you want. Like, it's just nice to have like a little bit of structure. <laughs> um, so that was, that's, that's interesting. And I'll, I'll see how that kind of, you know, how I experienced that over time. One of the things I like about D and D is when like, again, you, you got to make sure you've got a good group, good, good chemistry, right? Because that's critical because I, you know, you play with the, the one toxic person who's decided that they're only having fun, that they're dealing 10 times more damage than everyone else is no, 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 no bueno. They can't, they can't come to, to to the game um but uh so uh, i've been playing with somebody who is a newer dm so i dm'd for him for a little while and now he's he's now picking up the mantle and uh and he's doing great you know but like occasionally i just can't help but screw around with them you know so at one point they were like um you know you're we're we're trying to get into this town i was like i just say we sneak in and it's one of the other players had a good idea where they said why don't we wait like this is a big town why don't we wait until there's like a caravan going in and then we'll we'll blend in with the caravan i was like that's that's good let's do that and there and he goes okay so you guys like kind of blend in with the caravan you know as you're going up i'm like so who are we standing next to and he goes like uh it's a man and a woman in their family i'm like what are their names and he's like, <laughs> he goes 
it's it's John and and Lindsay Caravan. I'm like, mm-hmm, middle names. And <laughs> what, tell me more about him. Like, why why are they running this caravan? And, and he's like, Get, take disadvantage on your next roll. I was like, that's fair. You know, so, <laughs> like. <laughs> like 20 minutes later he's like okay you, you, you're at the bar i'm like i go up to the bartender he, he goes okay i'm like what's his name he goes stop it <laughs> so, <laughs> so like that type of trolling i think is fun but to your point right is that it can go go off the rails but i think that that's when when it's like you're doing an improv scene for the audience and you both know that this isn't what the person planned for be like now you got to figure it out now man <laughs> tell me what their middle name is which church did they grow up in yeah, because you know it's fantasy universe. Everybody goes to church. Exactly. Even if it's just, just for the I, optics. This is completely breaking my immersion. The fact that I can't <laughs> drill this deep on this one rando. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I can play this game anymore. I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> Twenty five years D and D over. I just <laughs> dying to fire so, John Caravan. Um, <laughs> so, so the other thing that I thought was super interesting is like how, um, like you don't have like skills. And you only have like these six, I think, stats or like five stats. But what matters is they are so broad that you essentially get to make your case for why that is how you are doing a thing. So, for example, one of them is like quick. And so there's like a little like one sentence description of like you are physically agile, right? And that means like if you try to stab me... I can ch- I can choose to use quick as the way I attempt to defend against being stabbed, right? But if I'm just super tough and you try to punch me, even if I could dodge your punch, I can choose to just be like I, you know, I just lean into it and like because you you're not strong enough to cause me damage. So like if you're like toughness and that that's not the right name. Th- this is the point where someone's yelling into their <laughs> their their headphones. Um but if I if I choose to use like whatever skill I want to use, like I essentially have to make a case for like this is why I can use this skill to do this attack, do this uh thing I'm attempting to do to defend against this attack that I'm attempting to defend against or complete this puzzle or this, you know, sk- skill check for lack of a better term. And I, I like because I like those sorts of um kind of that vibe you get like when you're playing uh, like cards against humanity. And you're going to like argue for like, well, yeah, no, I get why you would want to pick that card. But this card, this is the funny one. And here's why. Like that is an energy I enjoy a lot. So having and again, it really matters. Like, who are you playing with? Is everybody cool or are they being assholes if they're not winning? Um, But I I like the you kind of get to defend your position a little bit and say, like, explain yourself. Like, I want to try and do this using this stat for this reason. So that's. Again, like we'll see as I play it more, like does that bear out or does it become frustrating or does it cause problems or something? But so far, like it it feels pretty good. Yeah. One of the things I just did recently, uh, like as in earlier today, is because I was playing D&D with Teddy a little bit and um, and it kind of fizzled mostly because all of the heavy lifting of a normal adventure plus additional heavy lifting of playing with a seven-year-old who doesn't fully understand the game, right? You know, so having to like constantly remind them like what their armor class is. I mean, it's, it, you know, like it, and, and, it's a lot. And how, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, right? You know, and it's a lot for a seven-year-old to handle, but I got accomplished what I wanted to, which he is now interested in D&D. And I'm like, okay. So what I did was I just, I handed him the player's handbook and I said, when you can build your character, we will play again, you know? <laughs> 
which will probably be years from now, you know, but that's okay. Cause, cause you know, like I'm, I'm fine with that. Cause I'm like really probably 10 would be the best time to like actually kind of get them started, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just handed it to him and I was like, this is great because he's going to learn a whole bunch of new words. There's nothing wildly inappropriate <laughs> in here, but like, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's wild what you don't think about as like being like a thing that they have a basis for. So for example, when, you know, he's like, what does divine mean? I was like, it's like from the gods. And he's like, oh. I was like, so there are made up gods in D&D that live far away and they give you power because you're a cleric. He goes, what? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know. But anyway, so um, I say all that to say that fate may be a easier way to kind of get started down that road, you know? Fate, particularly the accelerated edition, um, or uh, there's actually f- maybe even from the same company. No, I think it's a different company. Um, but there's another one called Magical Kitties Save the Day, which mm. yeah, is, remember you tell me about that one. Yeah, it, it's similar in its massive reduction of mechanics. I can't mm-hmm. say whether or not those mechanics are playing to the same like socio emotional aesthetic ends as Fate, uh, but it's. If you are looking for something where you're like, oh, I need way simpler rules. The only reason I would say probably start with fate is because it's like almost free. I think the rule set is pay what you want. And then the expanded rule set, I think, is pay what you want with a recommendation of like two dollars. Like I went from not having any of the things I needed to play it to all of the things I needed to play it, including a canned adventure for like ten (laughs) dollars. Yeah, actually, I just looked it up online and like buy you you can you can get it all online for free, but uh, if you want to buy the book, it's like twenty bucks. And I and I was like, it'll probably just be easier for me to have a book because then I can let Teddy read it and stuff like that, you know. So yeah. as opposed to having a bunch of like random printouts, but uh, yeah, no, that's that, that that's cool. Good 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 recommendation. Good. Yeah, uh, and uh, I I guess I I played a bunch of other like little simple card games that. Another time in the future, I may want to pick your brain a little bit about like how almost every card game is now a variation of Cards Against Humanity. But that that feels like a topic for another time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, gotta everybody's got a mortgage to pay. What are you playing? Why should I care? So uh, I'm playing a bunch of different stuff. Uh, But so, and I think we 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 spoke about this briefly before, but. uh, is that so, you know, I finished uh, a game I was playing, I forgot which one, and I was like, okay, time for me to now, it's kind of like when you finish a TV show, how you're like, what do I do with my life now? I, I don't know, man, you know? So I've got that PlayStation, uh, you know, can rent tons of different video games for free, so I'm like going through, I'm like, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll try this one, and maybe this one, I'm just going to go ahead and download The Last of Us, just so I have it, you know, <laughs> I just want it on my PlayStation, I might play it a little bit, but you know. feel better if it's close. Yeah, and uh, and two weeks later, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I finished my playthrough of it, and uh, maybe actually, I think it only took about a week because I was aggressively <laughs> playing it, uh, and um, and I, I, I've gotten better at it. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, just ah, uh, g- game's amazing. So I one thing we could talk about, um, if you want, is uh, is so I replayed, did my replay of The Last of Us, and now I am watching The Last of Us on HBO, and. Some of the things that they... The, so, I, have you watched any of The Last of Us on HBO? I haven't, and 
in a rare turn for me, if you spoil it, I will be angry. Like, okay, th- this is something I actually am kind of excited to go into fairly cold, and it's starting to make me uncomfortable that I haven't started it yet because it's just a matter of time before somebody spoils it for me. Yes, because I mean, you so know, what me. I normally I do not care about spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it turns out that Joel's an alien in this one. It's weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, so it's a. Uh, so in that case, then we won't discuss that. Um, but <laughs> one of the things... No, it's all good. Uh, but one of the things that they have done, that, and this isn't like a spoiler, is they have made changes, you know? Um, but the changes that they've made are so unbelievably thoughtful that, like, I've been really enjoying it, you know? So, like, there, there are some times where, like, they'll... Where now I'm, I'm more excited to see how they handle certain situations, you know, because I'm like, this worked really well in the video game, but I'm not sure how that would work on TV. But I trust that you're handling it well, you know. So show me, show me how you're going to tackle this. How, how, how is this going to work for you guys? Um, and also, they still have they they were very careful in the fact that they have kept all of the iconic lines that I get excited in the video game. They're they're all still there, you know. Um, Which that is art in itself right like yeah because when you watch like mortal Kombat and somebody just throws out a line from the game you're just like oh, okay but when scorpion says get over here and like shang Tsung says like your soul is mine you're like ah, <laughs> right but, but like where and when you have that you know the guy say the line like it matters. You don't want to be the sad Bart. Like, say the line, Bart. <laughs> yeah, there's one part where, uh, you know, like, um, he does the, like, you know, uh, uh, Ellie walks up to Joel and goes, Joel, about Tess, here's how this is going to work. You don't talk about Tess ever. You know, like, that that line is in both of them, but when it's delivered and how it's delivered is, is and, and, and Pedro Pascal does a great job as Joel. It's just, it's, it's, it's really good. So, um, I was nervous about it, but I was like, at least I did my playthrough again. So I was like, well, at least I have that, you know, I, I got to play through it again. It's awesome. A lot of fun, really good. And then, uh, I was watching the, the, the TV show and I'm like, ah, uh, this is also very good. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with that. You shared that with Megan. Yeah. Are you, are you okay? Cause she, if I recall correctly, she does not get down for scary kind of stuff generally. Yeah, so not not down for scary scary type of stuff generally. Specifically, reviles zombies in oh. all that they. <laughs> yeah, no, like zombies completely terrify her, and we are watching it together. Yeah, so because because The Last of Us was so good that she was able to put all of that aside. And oh, actually, that was her uh, her response to the last uh, question of what video game on paper should you hate, but you actually end up loving. Like th- she said, when when we said that, um, she was like, she said out loud, "The Last of Us," and then I said on air, "The Last of Us" for Megan. You know, so we're all in perfect alignment on that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so no, she's she's uh, she has to like not look at some parts because they're you know too too scary. But yeah, no, she's she's loving it. It's a uh, it's exhausting because it's intense, but it's supposed to be intense, you know. Episodes um, about an hour. Uh, the first one's an hour and a half, and then they then they run hour, hour fifteen somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, like, and they spend more time to, because they have the time to do it. Like, kind of talking about like how the virus happened, and you know, like all all that kind of stuff, and and some of the because in the last of us are just like fungus zombies you know um and this is something that is established at the very beginning and is not spoilery but like um in this one they specifically tell you the type of fungus that like it is and it's the the type of fungus that um 
turns ants into zombies, you know? Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. years ago, uh, I think Game Theory did a video about like that is the most likely kind of fungus it would be because we have a real thing that really sort of does this yes yeah and it's and it's funny because and, and this is the in the first two minutes is that it it starts with a, a like a video a, a tv show from like the 1960s of people just like talking about like pandemics and stuff and the one guy says you know um yeah like fungus like is the thing we should all be worried about and they're like ah fungus it's silly he goes like look there's a fungus that turns ants into zombies and like but that can't exist in humans he goes that is correct as it stands presently there is absolutely no evolutionary driver for it to be able to stay alive in our at, at our body temperature but if hypothetically the world were to get a few degrees warmer you know and i was like that's awesome right because like it's from the 1960s right so global warming wasn't a big thing yet but he just throws it out there as a hypothetical and it's like oh damn it <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh-oh epic foreshadowing so uh so yeah it's really good is it uh crap i think it's the opening to the film version of i am legend where mm. it's a, a woman on a talk show and she's talking about like the new therapy they've invented and the the interviewer says because she's being like very cagey and trying like she's obviously beaming right but she's like trying not to pat herself too hard on the back and the interviewer says so it sounds like you've essentially cured cancer and she like smiles really big and looks kind of sheepish and she goes yeah we've cured cancer and it like smashes to the title and then like yep. 10 years later everyone's dead <laughs> it's just like yep. it's just i love the the optimism of that right yeah but but there's something I think a little more realistic about there's actually the, the thing that's going to kill us is like, it's right there and it's right. just not a threat to us under these conditions. And it's like, well, under these conditions, Oh no, the conditions have changed. <laughs> when it's uh it's interesting because actually Kruger did a, a video on like great filters. Right. So the idea being, of course, you know, like is that right now we can see no life in the universe. Right. You know, so there's tons of potential answers to that questions, but one of them could be great filters. And it's like scenario one, there, there are great filters and they are behind us, you know? So, it's just really, really hard for life to get to this level of complexity for whatever reason that we don't understand, right? Or two, there are great filters in front of us, right? And, uh, and you know, I said, like, if we were to find, you know, life on Europa, it's like that'd be terrifying because that means that life can exist. And for whatever reason, there's no aliens around. So that means that there's almost certainly a great filter and it's almost certainly in front of us. Um, but one of the things that they said is they said, uh, it, one of the, filters could be is some type of scientific advancement right and they said it would have to be something like universally unifying that every that everyone discovers it and it always destroys the entire planet right and what they said is they is they said uh the last words of every civilization is this will solve all of our problems forever <laughs> right before they press the button and everyone dies you know? <laughs> like, which i guess in a way it's yeah. true <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so when you say like the yeah a cured cancer it's like i mean it would make sense if, if there's a problem that we all deal with and then we all come up with a solution and then that breaks everything you know uh but yeah so cool stuff the other game i've been playing is um cyberpunk 2077 i was so ready for you to say civ 6 <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. Oh, they announced that, that uh, they're going to start production on the Civ 7. Nice. I wonder, yeah. uh, like, what... Because, you know, we have such sophisticated machines to play these games on, but Civilization has doubled down on the, like, cartoony... It, mm-hmm. they're, they're not burning out your GPU trying to render no. the visuals, right? So, like, right. that means the only reason to make a new edition in the civilization series is because there is something either mechanically that you want to do that's new, or there's something mechanically that you need to fix that to fix in the current game would be to change it too substantially. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they're not going for photorealism. They're not, they're not anything, right? Like there's nothing about current hardware that can't do whatever it is they're trying to do technologically, which means it must be entirely conceptual and in in-game design so i wonder i want i just like what are they what what are they going to do what the hell even is there left right <laughs> not not that there aren't still interesting things they could do but like what could they do and not get people to say like well it's not civilization anymore right because there are others right. there's tropico and there's um oh god what's the other really popular one maybe it is tropico but i mean there's there's other sim like civilization sim games so mm-hmm. if you got to be careful because you can't copy too many of their ideas because then other people will come in and be like you know oh why would you play D? they just stole that from this other game just play the game they stole it from you know right yeah no i mean i, I think there's tons of different things that they could do you know in the sense of like they've got uh you know they, they've got like this this big core robust system and i think that they could probably take a lot of that port it over and then say but what we're going to change is some of these either a some of these core mechanics that we think will work better um if they wanted to get uh you know more um adventurous they could try to like lean heavier on a different core aesthetic like narrative you know or something like that or if they said you know hey we want to really lean into combat so we're going to make combat as opposed to just your unit has this strength their unit has this strength instead there's going to be you know oh but i can use these maneuvers or something i don't know you know like the dynasty um, warriors mini game yeah exactly right um but uh hopefully not dynasty warriors 9 because that's trash <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no i started playing uh cyberpunk 2077 because it was on sale so like i watched the netflix um cyberpunk story and it was really good i really enjoyed it wait Um, is this a thing about the game or a thing that is the story of the game it's it's a story that takes place in the same universe okay so so uh fantasy narrative not documentary correct yeah right so this is yeah cyberpunk um and it's it's just follows a different character and like their people in this this same con- conceptual universe, you know, um, focusing on different. But I was like, man, this was really good. And I was like, OK, because when Cyberpunk came out, it was just flaming garbage, you know. And so because uh, they, they shipped an incomplete product. Right. So I was like, OK, well, I'm not going to pay for that, you know. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, I watched the thing. And I was like, yeah, it's been like a year, something like that. I don't know. Since it came out, so I'm like, probably they fixed most of it. But I was like, ah, oh, I've got, you know, so many games I need to play. I, I can't justify spending $60 on it. I can justify spending $25 on it. And I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, well, and, and it's you know, a like huge it's, game, right? So, like, that's not one you want to just rent because right. you might play it for 20 hours over a month and then put it down and then go back and put another 100 hours into it, right? Like, it's a 
it's that Bethesda style. Well, CD Projekt yep. Red, right? So it's as big as The Witcher Three, probably, and then several times bigger. Yes, yes, no. It, it is. It is very huge. Uh, a bunch of cool lore behind it. They fixed. I mean, the game is is very playable. You know, in that I have yet to run into anything that was game breaking. It does have some Bethesda style like glitchiness to it, but you know, because at one point I walked up to somebody and and you know everything below their knees was like plowed into the concrete and i was like oh no what happened to this poor citizen but at least that's funny yeah right and 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 i I just pulled out my gun i was like i'm gonna put him out of their misery i'm just gonna do it and then like i was like i looked around and there were like some cops like a hundred yards off i'm like i can't take the heat right now no it's fine they'll they'll just live like this you know i'm so sorry friend (laughs) i'm sorry i'm so very it's a fixed point in time uh so (laughs) um so uh it, it's actually genuinely fun gameplay in that like i'm probably two hours into the plot but like 15 hours into gameplay because i'm just doing all the side stuff and um and it's cool because like you know you'll go do do side stuff and if you don't complete the optional optional tasks the the fixer the person who like gave you the job will kind of chide you about it a little bit um so at one point i just went in and i was like they were like you know get in and plant this device optionally sneakily and i was like i'm gonna do it optionally sneakily i didn't do it optionally sneakily (laughs) i did try i tried i tried real hard to be the shepherd but i wasn't somebody saw me and i was like well i'm in it now (laughs) so i ended a lot of lives and so then i I jump out and she goes your character's name v is she just goes v i'm wiring you the money but that was sloppy work like I was like, yeah, it was pay me. <laughs> so, um You shouldn't have said optional. Yeah, yeah. Um when you said optional, I heard nothing because right when you said optional, I blacked out on everything else you said. <laughs> um so so it's genuinely fun gameplay. I'm really enjoying that. Um uh one of the other things it does is it lets you play the game really quickly. So basically it just drops you in the world and it says go play you know now it doesn't give you guns or any of those mechanics right off the bat like that takes maybe about 20 minutes to get that but you go you talk to people you you know learn about the world and then within the first 15 20 minutes you're like here's your gun here's all this sort of stuff go here's the whole city go do whatever you want you know which i really appreciate because i don't like it when they're like oh man you get to play the game you know eventually after after you listen to us go on forever about everything you're like oh my god i, I just i can't care about this yet because i i want to see how these mechanics work um the two other things is that one is uh there is they do a great job building the universe there is sometimes so much invented slang that i am struggling to understand what they're saying you know english motherfucker to speak (laughs) exactly because like oh yeah you know you know corpo's got the flathead down there in 26 and i'm like what did you just say you know, I'm like, okay, wait, okay, corpos are bad. That's not okay. And then the flathead. Oh, that was the thing I picked up before. Okay, I'm with you now. Uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting yeah, there. It's it's like every single person is doing like Dick Van Dyke's interpretation of a rhyming Cockney accent. <laughs> just like, so it's not even consistent person to person. You're like, I even documenting this won't save me. <laughs> um. And the, the, the final thing is so, uh, you know, you can get a car and you can drive around, right? And you can get cooler cars. I have engaged in that mechanic not at all. I go everywhere on foot because when I go places on foot, you can find people who are uh, – oh, one of the cool things is you get like a, an ocular implant that allows you to hit R1 to scan people and get information about them, right? And when you scan people, uh, 
that are like part of a gang. They're wanted by the police and all all bounties are dead or alive, right? (laughs) (laughs) Every crime is a capital crime. Man, it just says wanted in Night City, and that's all I needed to hear, you know? So, uh, <laughs> wanted okay, for shoplifting. <laughs> take, take that, shoplifter. That'll learn you. I mean, it won't because your brains are all over the place, but, you know, I bet you won't do it again. So, uh, so anyway, so I go everywhere on foot because when you go places on foot, you're more likely to run into, you know, gang members. And when you run into gang members, you can kill them and take their stuff. Um, I I am like the most terrifying demon to the tiger claws. I can't imagine <laughs> that they're like recruiting is going well because ev- every time I see them, I completely wipe them out. Even when, because there are areas where they spawn, right? Like I'll go back and forth. And because I'm always on foot, I always find their respawn area, which to me isn't that they're respawning. It's that they went back there to hang out with a new crew of people and I took them out again. And so, like, so, so you're like, like the Thomas Wayne Batman, like with the shotgun. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, like, I'll just, and, and, <laughs> um, and so the thing is that like, you'll, uh, if you, if you accidentally, if you, if you hurt, civilians right then the police come after you you know so um like there's all these like different little mechanics that you can uh do but what i'll normally do is go in fire off a couple of rounds which means all the civilians will run away and then just throw grenades into the area until people stop (laughs) shooting at me (laughs) you might be worse than the thomas wayne (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm like i am I don't know if I'm a solution, but I'm definitely part of the problem, you know? So yeah, you're more like the Martha Wayne Joker. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyways, but genuinely having a ton of fun. Although uh, the one other thing I'll say about it is at one point I got so sidetracked with side quests, right? That I, I eventually was like, all right, I, I got to do the main quest at some point. So I went there and, and there was an optional thing where it's like, you know, talk to this other person. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like trying to like, buy something off of somebody but it says talk to this other person i've forgotten what i'm doing so i'll just go talk to them and so i walk up and i'm like hey i'm uh i'm that guy that we were talking about the thing the job you, you know me and immediately one of her goons like grabs me and like throws me against the thing and like puts a gun to my head i'm like man i really should have reread the scope of what it was i was trying to do here this is this has gone sideways pretty fast. I don't know if I'm betraying somebody that i shouldn't be betraying because she's like tell me who sent you i'm like i don't know if i should be telling you this but I feel like you're going to shoot me if I don't. So th- that's going to be a later George problem. Right now, George needs to deal with this. Okay. So uh, important meta question. When you find yourself in a situation like that, you, you just let those cards ride? Like, are you ever tempted to save scum? Or are you just like, this is the life I've created for myself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is the life I've created for myself. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I, th- I think in a game like this, that's pretty important. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, like, uh, occasionally I will save scum if, like, I go, if I go to, like, for instance, if I go to pick off some tiger claws and things go horrifyingly sideways to where I burned a ton of resources and I was like, oh, that was, that wasn't nice. And, and it took, like, two minutes. And maybe I'll go back and, because, like, the game doesn't care narratively whether or not I killed those guys. I'm like, ah, yeah, that, that wasn't fun. But that's pretty few and far between. Outside of that, it's like, uh, yeah, man, if I if I screw up or shoot somebody that I wasn't meant to shoot and, and at one point towards the very beginning, because you have like a fixer who's the person who gets you in contact with them. And so then you go to talk to the person who has the job and she's like, yeah, maybe uh, maybe just cut the fixer out. Maybe don't worry about him. And I was like, 
like, what kind of person do I want to be on this one? I'm like, this is my first playthrough. I'm going to do it honorable. I'm like, nah, man, I'm not going to screw him over. That's a bad idea. And she's like, hey, man, your call. And so I go back to him. And he goes, hey, anything else you need to tell me about this woman? And uh, and one of the things is she's trying to cut you out. I'm like, no, no, nah, man, I'm going to I'm going to be honorable. I'm going to keep everyone's secrets. You know, he doesn't need to know what she tried to do because I didn't bite. And that's cool. And later on, that guy tried to blow my head off. I'm like, oh, the next time, next time I'm cutting you out, man. Yeah. No, that wasn't cool, man. Like, I was being cool. You weren't being cool. <laughs> you know, I I don't think this ever occurred to me before, but I just realized that when you play a narrative-driven game like Cyberpunk 2077, like a Bethesda game, like the Fallout games, which are now also Fallout Bethesda Skyrim, games, yep. right? But like, when you you play through and you're a good guy and then you mm-hmm. play through and you do the evil playthrough, mm-hmm. you have a weird foreknowledge about the universe that <laughs> grossly equips you to be a sociopath, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I know how I know exactly how this person is going to respond in this situation. So I came prepared for it, right? It's like you are. Be, because a lot of the times and, and it's not that game dev's fault it's just it's so much video game but like a lot of the times the difference between be the good guy and be the bad guy is like kill them or save them right it's not right it's not a huge spiraling difference and when it is a huge spiraling difference that's always fun and exciting because it's like oh this whole town you don't even get to go here if you do the evil playthrough or if you do the good playthrough because like they're it's dead like a, or they don't let you in like the city of megaton you know where you can just blow up the nuclear wipe it off the map yeah it's just gone right now and any quests (laughs) and any items or anything just gone um the uh the the tower the 10 penny tower if you Mm -hmm. you can kill the zombies but then the zombie people are gone right or you can let the zombies into 10 penny tower and now you can still go to 10 penny tower but most of the 10 penny tower people are dead and now the zombies (laughs) are there right so like i i i appreciate when the changes are that dramatic because then an evil playthrough is decidedly different right from the the virtuous playthrough um i will be very curious to hear from you about like your continued experience with this game because you will drop it like it's hot right like you you oh yeah you guiltlessly and remorselessly (laughs) quit things that are no longer serving you, which I think is awesome, right? A lot of people, myself included, right? Like, like, oh man, I got to read to the end of this book or watch to the end of the show or whatever. When I've long since come to terms (laughs) with the fact that I'm not enjoying myself. Like (laughs) I I, I, I use the Marie Kondo approach. This no longer sparks joy. (laughs) Yes. And and I think particularly with entertainment, you can be pretty ruthless, right? It's not yeah. your marriage. It's not your job. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's- I'm not, I'm not like, 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 like taking my four year old, putting them outside and saying, this no longer sparks joy. You know? like, Into the trash can you go. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I think that's actually a, a fairly healthy mindset, generally speaking, because it, it's entertainment. It's supposed to be entertaining. These kinds of games are trying so hard to keep you from flaking out, but mm-hmm. they have, so many exit ramps right because you could put a hundred hours into a game and i i don't know like how 
if like side content becomes unlocked as you play the game or if like it's just all unlocked at the very beginning or what but like in in an open world game you can generally put an unconscionable amount of time into the game and never play the game right mm-hmm. because like in in friggin grand theft auto 4 like you could just spend all your time bowling with roman like hey yep. cousin we should go bowling like you could just yeah. right like and and it's not the game is not supposed to be a bowling simulator but you could just say i have yep. fostered an incredibly close relationship with roland and now i'm done playing grand theft auto even though i've done none of the stuff right skyrim uh somebody actually in our discord right now is like okay 85 hours into skyrim i should probably start the main quest <laughs> right because those games just afford you that opportunity and so because you are already primed for like being done whenever you decide you're done and these games are so easy to just decide when you are done like i kind of wonder will you get halfway through the story all the way through the story zero percent of the way through the story like how how much of the game will you have experienced in hours versus Mm -hmm. how much will you have experienced in like hours on the main story Right. And I'm going to start like trying to plow through the main story a bit. Um, I took a couple of days off from it just because I was like, I need it. It's just a lot, you know, so I, I went back, played some Dead Cells, you know, so I'm going to circle back to this one. Um, but uh, uh, no, I'm because I did most of the side quests that I can do so far. And um, and so I'm like, I'm going to just hit the main storyline pretty hard because I am now very overpowered for the main story. And that's the way I like it. it. This game you know? has RPG mechanics. It does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so not only can you does it have like, you know, levels where you can, you know, spec into certain things, skills and abilities, but you also have um, augmentations, you know, where they like mechanically alter your body. So it's, it's kind of like equipment, but, you know, like you got shock absorbers for your legs so you can fall and stuff like that. Right. Um, and yeah, and all, all of my all of my stuff is uh, pr- pretty. It's called chrome, you know, so you're done. <laughs> Your guns are called uh, iron, and that, make, that the, makes the, me think of Mad Max, <laughs> the the weird like cult people like worship Chrome. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my body is Chrome. My blood is gasoline. Nope, normal blood. Um, <laughs> yes, that exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, the one the one thing I uh, that is interesting is the way some of those mechanics play because um. You know, so I've got like a gun, a shotgun that is way more powerful than it probably should be and, and that type of stuff. Uh, one of the things I noticed is that it does more damage. It also has more knockback, right? Um, so like it will knock back lower level enemies further because I accidentally, because sometimes you, you have a little skull bad guy that's like, you shouldn't be fighting this guy. And I didn't notice that before I unloaded a shotgun at point blank range in his back and he turned around and beat me to death. So- <laughs> So, so I was just like, blam, and he turns around. I'm like, well, if that didn't work, I'm probably pretty screwed. <laughs> um, but for lower level enemies, it'll knock them back. So they, they get knocked back, and then they have to get up. And in the time it takes for them to get up, you can absolutely put another shotgun blast into them. And about the fourth time I did that, I'm like, I'm real sure I'm not the hero here. You know, <laughs> like It's not very heroic when somebody's slowly getting up off of the ground for you to like, you know, execution style, place the gun on their head and be like, I mean bad bad better luck next time buddy <laughs> not that it matters at this distance but i'm a surgeon with, the shotgun. with this shotgun uh but yeah no we'll we'll we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes but uh yeah so far it's uh it's pretty fun um i think uh i'm gonna take a page from uh the george carlin uh back in town album where he says um i have no ending for this bit so i take a small bow so uh, <laughs> i will see you in the after show to talk about D crap 
Sounds good to me. The curtain falls. The music plays. The credits roll. Then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land. Battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in with the edge of a smile. You realize again what you lost for a while. You gonna think back much less on how you saved the day. Then on all the experience gained. Along for the 